Cougs House. We're number one, and we've played like it, and we've got a lot of work to do, but it's nice to finally play like it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast all about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainge, today to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater, can't stop by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. Make sure you get the podcast in your feed each day, and we'd be happy to be your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's nice to see you all again. Uh, obviously, we, we've done this a number of times now, but we are giving away a Marcus Sasser t-shirt. We get 250 subscribers, so make sure you hit subscribe. And to be entered to win, you got to be leaving comments down below. So subscribe to get the subscriber count up, and then leave a comment down below to make sure you get a chance to win that cool Marcus Sasser t-shirt with like, that's like the you know old rock band kind of stuff looking thing. If you are looking for uh, something to comment with, you don't have anything else to say. The question of the day today is, do you call it dressing or stuffing? Now, we're going to do a couple different things today. One, in the first segment, we're going to do some takeaways from the Norfolk State game. Um, that's going to be one segment because it's a 48-point win, and it could have been more than that. And so we're going to like try not to like down-talk Norfolk State too, too terribly much. But we'll get like, things to pull from that game. Then the second segment, I want to look at uh, two players that had big games in Norfolk State that you know, kind of because we're rotating guys through a 50-point win, I kind of had my eye on and may want to look and see what they do later. And in our third and final segment, make sure you stay tuned because I'm going to give you what I, at the moment, hope happens for the bowl game. <laughs> um, there were some different, you know, bowl projections leaked and this and the other thing. We'll know a lot more about this time next week. Um, but I've, let's just say, got a favorite in mind. But the first segment, let's talk about some takeaways from the Norfolk State basketball game um now obviously this is not uh i guess norfolk state could make the tournament win the MEAC. they're currently atop the MEAC, uh and so i don't want to say they're not a tournament team and like get people oh we're always a you know, fine they're not the same kind of tournament team that like or roberts or texas southern or even to that degree that kent state on saturday was right um so it's not quite the same kind of test however a, it's another coach that Samson respects, and he does a lot of his non-conference scheduling with coaches he respects. So something to keep in mind, right? And B, I think that the thing to keep in mind here is that these are chances to practice in all as good as it is against, for lack of a better phrase, live bullets, right? See live reaction times with a crowd and officials and all those things in a way that you don't really get to do at practice. Um, and and kind of get to see real situations. Now, defensively, Houston was Houston, right? That part has never gone, has never gone anywhere, frankly, the last couple of years. I guess I could say that should say the whole time Samson's been here, but certainly the last couple of years, right? Um, Houston held Norfolk State to 35.1% shooting. They've been shooting 49% on the season, uh, most notably in that like shooting jump shot category. Houston held Norfolk State to 5.6% from three. That's a real three-point percentage they shot. They had been shooting 38% from three on the season. So Houston made them dramatically more uncomfortable than they'd been to any point yet this year. And they played 
Baylor. Right? They've played some other Power Five teams. I say other Power Five teams. So other so they played some Power Five teams, and Houston was able to kind of knock them out of all that. Houston also um, forced them to commit 16 turnovers, uh, and I think that's important because that's kind of a constant for Houston's defense. The like in your jersey aggressive half court defense they play, uh, and then Houston was able to out rebound. Norfolk State 40 to 28, kind of continuing that trend we saw them do over the weekend uh, when that was kind of like the saving grace against Kent State that probably saved the game in a lot of ways for Houston. Worth pointing out, they won the rebounding battle 40 to 28. Again, Norfolk State had been getting more like 36 and a change rebounds per game. And so clearly held Norfolk State below their averages. And again, Norfolk State has played a handful of. Um, a power five team is so like, it's not like those averages are just like made against cupcakes, right? What was impressive tonight and nice to see out of Houston was the offense was back. Um, and bluntly in the post game presser, Samson said that they finally practiced offense <laughs> in a way that they, uh, after the Norfolk state game on Saturday, hey, they spent both Sunday's practice and Monday's like walkthrough shoot around type practice focused not exclusively on, but certainly very heavily on offense. And it showed, right? Like Houston, for all of its uh, faults in, on Saturday's game, Houston was able to spitball out and find open shooters. Uh, they shot uh, 10 of 18 for three in the first half, so it came out hot. Um, 26 assists on the games. They're finding guys for catch-and-shoot kind of movements. And I think it was interesting here is like Norfolk State was not a solitary defense team. And by that, I mean that they... Ran some, they came down sometimes in man, came down sometimes in three quarter press, they came down sometimes in zone. And Houston was able to di- diagnose and dissect all of it. Where we've seen Houston have trouble this year on offense is if you go zone and Houston's not shooting the ball particularly well, it had been producing problems because it's, you know, they're not a giant team for all of the things that Houston does very well. We're not huge, right? And so if we're not shooting the ball well to go over the top of the zone, we can't exactly get into the teeth of it in the same way that a team with a couple seven-footers could go high-low or whatever, right? Um, however, obviously today, Houston did shoot the ball very well, and I think part of that was the constant movement. Um, I know there's been a lot made in various content creators talking about Houston, uh, about the illness that was going through the team last week. Uh, bluntly, I kind of buy it after watching tonight, uh, recording right after, right after the game. I buy it after watching tonight because they just looked quick right like they they're moving quicker meaning that to me that means on saturday they are probably breathing a little bit heavier or like kind of down on the cardio over the course of the week and i don't think that's just thanksgiving hangovers right like i, I think that's really um the illness that we, we keep hearing about they also think it's like good to see that uh there was some allusion to uh, samson said as much i guess jairus walker had a hamstring tightness on saturday he played today he did have a wrap on it at one point but Game was pretty well in hand by then. We saw Jamal Shedd, I believe, look like cramping up in the like early part of the second half, and he was out there to finish the game. So, you know, on the whole, they're still looking pretty healthy. Hadn't seen Ramon Walker. Um, Ramon Walker, to be fair, I think got the worst of the illness bug, but we went around. That's all. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. That's also why we saw Jamal Shedd out there at the end of the game in like a 40, 50 point blowout. Um, and so, you know, that's that's the kind of game that was Houston did set offensive records tonight. It was the most three pointers made in um, excuse me, most three pointers made in the Fertitta Center, not the most made in a game for the U of H ever, but the most made in the Fertitta Center. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, like 
the Fertitta Center has got this like great student atmosphere vibe. Uh, Sasser and Tremel Mark were both like very happy to talk about like how enthusiastic and like how they fed off the crowd tonight after the game was over. And so obviously that's like uh, important, right? That that's a, that's a big, big deal for Houston to be able to set records in that stadium. Um, it's going to continue to be that kind of a year for the U of H, not just every night. There's going to be a shooting night, but like we're probably going to hear the best XYZ in school history, best XYZ in for teacher and those kinds of things over the course of the season. Um, it just did a very, 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 very impressive performance for the Cougs. And if I were a betting man, I don't know what the line was on this game beforehand, but even for a blowout, winning by 48 points is incredible. Um, and so if I, again, I'm not a gambler, but I imagine a lot, they beat the, the over underline, whatever they're trying to do. If you are a gambler or if you like placing sports bets, let me recommend betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from basketball, football, soccer, Team USA is moving on, right? Uh, esports, whatever you want. We got it at betonline.net. If you have a sports podcast, hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. If you're listening to this, you might love sports podcasts. You can find us at betaline.net as well, where the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You head to the website or use your mobile device today to learn more. Betaline.net is where the game starts. Um, the game I'm looking at this weekend is the exciting 405 Eastern NFL game on Sunday night. It's like that perfect window in the middle of the day. Miami plays, excuse me, Miami is heading to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Mike McDaniel going back to play against or coach against uh, Mike Shanahan. You've also got a pair of great running backs. Uh, you got Tyreek Hill versus Debo Samuel. You've got, uh, you know, Tua versus Garoppolo. It's a ton of fun. There's a Bosa run around like a chicken's head cut off halftime. Anyway, um, fun, fun football game. They've got San Francisco favorite at minus four. I'm not going to give away too much of the spill about what our guest tomorrow is going to pick for that. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But I am going to say I'm taking Miami to get it under four. I'm not sure I'm going to take them on the in like money line quite yet, but I am taking Miami to keep it under four. I'm thinking this is a field goal kind of game. So that's where I'm putting my money, and I think you should too. I think you should do it at betonline.net. Now, if look at like standouts from the game, I think like, the most obvious one's going to be Sasser. Sasser finished with over 20 points and frankly, like could have had 30 if it was the kind of game where he had to play a lot more of the game. Right. I, I guess I shouldn't assume that he played 27 minutes, had 25 points. Um, I'm assuming if he got his normal, like 31 minutes, 32 minutes, he probably has 32 points or something like that. Um, I don't mean to track late. He shot seven to 12 from three, um, kind of got to a spot where he wanted to. I, I'm not going to go there, right? I'm not going to go to a starter for this. I'm going to big man JVA Francis. Now, JVA is young, right? And he's frankly always listening to older guys like, uh, I don't know if you guys know a lot about Darius Bowser, but Bowser is a fifth-year senior, transferred into the U of H. He's on the bench, always in JVA's ear. You've got Joe and Roberts also coaching up, always at practice and those kinds of things for all the reports. JV does not get a whole lot of minutes. Um, he's typically a less than 13, 14 minutes per game kind of guy. And I think what's interesting here is like, okay, if I'm looking at like flaws in his U of H team, I keep going back to size, right? Like if I'm going to beat U of H, it's going to be because I'm Purdue and I got the big ED kid and I'm just pounding it inside, 
right? Um, I think what's interesting here is that like we saw tonight or we saw in the Norfolk State game, I guess you're listening to this on Wednesday, the trick may be actually to get JVA more minutes in those kinds of games. And he has trouble with these smaller running gun type teams. Like he might not play a lot against the Alabamas of the world. Right. But against teams that are like slow it down, ground and pound kind of stuff. I wonder if JVA is the answer. And I wonder if JVA is the answer because for whatever reason, he seems to be like, you know, if you multiply his numbers out to a more you know, normal rotation player, guy that played more minutes kind of get kind of guy. He's a walking double double, right? In just 16 minutes on Monday night or on Tuesday night, sorry, 11 points, eight rebounds, three blocks, two steals. Again, 16 minutes to have that many blocks, steals, rebounds in 16 minutes. That means it's nearly every defensive possession. You're touching the basketball, right? That's that's unreal to think about that in a Division One basketball game. Because it seems that, again, I think might win the MIAC, might be a tournament team. JVA Francis is touching the ball like in a possessive kind of way, not like a deflection or like a bunch of tip back and forth or what. In a possessive kind of way, he's touching the ball nearly every possession, right? That's got to be infuriating for Norfolk State, right? This, like to think about this, they pull on this guy off the bench. That's six eight two thirty five with a seven foot five wingspan, and he can get on all those things. That didn't even like account for the fact that he had a couple big dunks, uh, a layup in transition, and a giant alley oop, right? Like to kind of seal things off. And not that there was a dagger or anything in this game, but certainly felt like JVA's energy and enthusiasm was like reciprocated by the fans. This is kind of like back and forth build up, right? Um, what I think the interesting thing there is this that like that high motor plus that height-wingspan combination is probably Houston's best bet against these traditional bigs. I don't know if we'll see him against St. Mary's for the weekend. Uh, we have a preview on Thursday with Zach Farmer, who's a, like a WCC and St. Mary's podcaster. He, he follows them very closely. He has for a couple years now. And so we'll get to talk to him some about their size and length. I don't know if they're quite, because they're like 6'9 size. I don't know if that's quite the length that we need JBA Francis out there for but I feel like we're underutilizing him in reference to like when we see a seven footer. And I wonder if we kind of like continue to work him in over the course of these early non-conference games, if we get to Memphis down the road, or if we just get to play seven footers in March, if we slowly start to realize like, Oh, we, we might need to pay play, you know, a giant lineup with like Jarris at the three, Jawan Roberts at the four, and all of a sudden then you put JVA at the five and suddenly you're not looking like they're all six, eight, six, nine. Right. But the wingspan you got going there, you can almost do the old like early 2000 Syracuse thing. We go like fingertip to fingertip going back line across the baseline. I mean, you're talking about really, really long, lanky defenders. And if you could put like, I don't know which point guard you would take out Sasser or shed, but if you put Tremont Mark out there as well at the two, Oh my God, you're a long, long team now i can't i can't choose between sass and shed as far as which one to give up um so i i I probably am benching tremont mark in this instance but you got a chance to be really long and i think that when you multiply that length in the back line again man-to-man defense but that length at the at the rim with 
Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser as the like upfront defenders, very, very suddenly, you know, you have a real, real impactful defense that just kind of looks a lot different than we than we have thus far. The other guy I want to give credit to that doesn't get a whole lot of minutes, um, but I, I enjoy watching in Norfolk State, and I frankly I enjoyed watching him opening night against Northern Colorado is Emmanuel Sharp. Now, um, I don't know if it's because I like the way Kelvin Sampson says the name Emmanuel, and so I just always recognize and like click and like, perk up when I hear him talk about him. But Sampson does talk about Emmanuel Sharp very well, like very, very highly. Emmanuel, you remember in our freshman preview, like many me, a lot a long time ago at this point, um, is a coach's son. His father played overseas in Tel Aviv. Uh, at Technically, I guess, Emmanuel is Israeli. Um, although his parents were both born in the States, right? So I, he's got dual citizenship there, but that's not really who are there. Um, Emmanuel is a, a coach's son at heart and plays like it. Both parents were college athletes. Um, he had a major leg injury his senior year of high school. And so he actually transferred in and, and got on campus early last January. And so he's kind of, I don't mean to like talk about weight, but kids gain weight when they get hurt, right? They can't, especially their lower body, they can't do cardio, can't run. And so he kind of has been continuing to like shed off that, you know, extra weight, right? Because he got out of shape when he was hurt. And he's kind of still like, you know, coming back and being sick last week didn't help. And da, 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 right. We all, we've all been through that. However, Emmanuel, I think it's interesting to see like has a, for lack of a better phrase, hairline trigger when it comes to getting, coming the game, pops up at three. Like it's, it's going to happen. And I don't know that that's necessarily Samson's favorite thing to see. Uh, he went one from four in this game. But what I love about that is the confidence. And there's going to be a game. And it may be an important game where in Emmanuel Sharp's 14 minutes, he goes like four of six. <laughs> like it, it's going it, to, he's got, he, he's got other point guard skills too. He, again, the benefit of the big body is he like is very under control and, and in pace and like keeps pace very well and can get to the block and like get defenders in the air and get and ones and da, 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 all those kinds of cool things. He was a tremendous, you know, 30 point per game score in high school, but this hairline trigger he's got going from the outside, I think will be really, really impactful in at least one important game. I don't know when it will happen, but at some point, like, Marcus is going to get in foul trouble. At some point, Jamal Shedd's going to be too. There's going to be a ticky tacky ref that's just like says Jamal Shedd can't do all these things on def- defense. And we got to find someone else to come in. And Ramon Walker is traditionally the guy that's been doing that. And Ramon Walker, admittedly, is a very good defender, but he's not quite the offensive guy that Emmanuel is. And I'm telling you, that's going to be important. And and the continual whenever Emmanuel shows up, shots get up. And he made a couple tonight, right? I guess he made one tonight. Um, but when he comes in, shots go up. Like that's, it's going to be important. It's going to be important in a big game. And just keep an eye on this kid. He's not the one that done that uh, Walker, that Jairus Walker is. He's not, I guess there's people, I read a thing today on Switch Theory. Go read Nemo on Switch Theory. There's a really good article about Terrence Arsenault. Uh, could potentially be a one and done as well. He's not that guy either. Um, he might be here a couple years. He he's got something different in his offensive game, and so I'm I'm sticking to it. And I he might not something will happen with him important this year, and I I'm keeping an eye on that. I really really like what I see out of that kid. All right, I told you guys that in the third segment here, transitioning out of basketball, I talk a little about football. I should probably say that if you're a basketball junkie, hold tight 
Tune back in tomorrow. Subscribe down. Da, da, da. Tomorrow we're doing a full St. Mary's preview, getting ready, ready for the game this weekend with St. Again, St. Mary's podcaster, Zach Farmer. And then um, on Friday, I'm doing my own full preview. You get to hear what I think, right? So like we'll talk all St. Mary's the rest of the week. But in this last segment today, I'm going to talk a little bit about football, <laughs> although I'd actually probably rather talk about Jose Breu coming to the Astros, but that's not this podcast, um, because it's coming up on bowl season. And frankly, there's like a bunch of projections about where Houston may end up in the bowls. And I already have a favorite because of who the potential opponent is, because uh, one of the ESPN.com projections has Houston going to as the American Athletic Conference representative to the Gasparilla Bowl. The Gasparilla Bowl is notably played in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> um, familiar with that from our time in the American. However, um, it's played in Tampa, Florida, and we get to potentially play Auburn again. Now, I like this matchup for a number of different reasons, but I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the chaos <laughs> that is surrounding the Auburn football program currently and frankly i think that that chaos would help out houston in heading into an offseason or they're looking to join the big 12 next season right um houston's gonna have to hit the transfer window i mean we saw it uh on tuesday we saw hudson card is transferring out of the university of texas at austin and there were people and myself included like does he does he want to come over across i-10 like can we get him can i get can we get him over here because frankly like He's a guy that we saw start games in the Big 12, knows getting to the Big 12, and he's not a bad athlete, and you can do some fun things with him in our offense, those kinds of things, to impress those kinds of guys. Because Card is also looking like the Notre Dames of the world, right? Um, to impress those kinds of guys, I kind of think Houston's got to play a Power 5 team in a bowl game. Houston's not going to get to go to New Year's Six Bowl as much as we wanted to, and I thought preseason we probably should have, and we're not. Um the, the chances to play power fives are getting increasingly slim, right? Um, there's like the, what, which one's the one in Dallas, like an armed forces bowl or, or first responders bowl is one up in Dallas, uh, not at Jerry world, but at uh, actually at Gerald Ford stadium where SMU plays. So we're all familiar with that place. We'd be matched up with like Wyoming there, right? It's not really the same thing. Getting to play a power five team would show off to transfer portal window kind of guys like, Hey, this is a it's happening before Christmas. So we could still be able to impress them before they committed in a transfer and B it's showing them like, Hey, we're, we're really able to do this, right? Like we really will be able to like come here we'll be successful. We're building a program that can fit in with these power five programs. Right. I think that's important. And I think playing Auburn is important there playing Auburn specifically, not just because they're a power five team, but specifically, is because they have this giant mess happening. So they fired their head coach in the middle season and brought in uh, Cadillac Williams to replace him for half the year. Now, Cadillac Williams is the same Cadillac Williams that played running back for them not all that long ago. Running back careers are short, so I guess in running back terms, it was a long time ago. But um, same guy, right? And frankly, everyone loved Cadillac. And this is not an Auburn podcast. You go check out Locked on Auburn. Zach does a great job. It's a really, really funny show. Um, but at the end of the day, Cadillac was just a great guy that like kind of steered the ship until he got to the end of the season. They now are A, D 
ditching Cadillac. So kids that like Cadillac, I would imagine, would sit out of this bowl game. They're bringing in Hugh Freeze and all the disgrace that he returned to the SEC with. Now, Hugh Freeze did get in trouble for a bunch of recruiting stuff at Ole Miss, and I, I guess technically some of that would be negated because rules about paying kids and contact, all that's changed, right? Um, but also, I don't, you can, you've got Google at your fingertips. He's not a great person. And I'll leave it at that. And there's a bunch of stuff and a bunch of mess around the fact that he's coming to Auburn, right? Auburn is a prestigious private university in Alabama. And frankly, there's a lot of people like, a lot of the fan base student body that are upset that they're going getting this guy, right? They're not saying they didn't want to coach or getting this guy when they just had a guy like Cadillac that everyone loved and all of those kinds of things. And this is not Auburn podcast. They did a great job in live real time, breaking down the signing of Hugh Freeze and those kinds of things on locked on Auburn. So you can go check that out. That'll be my recommendation for a second. Listen, but I'm going to go and throw it out right now, but getting to potentially catch that program in the Gasparilla Bowl with people transferring out and people upset about this and the attitudes being down could really help Houston because Houston's had kind of this roller coaster up and down playing to their competition kind of season all year long. And if playing a familiar power five foe in a bowl game with their own turmoil going on, I think that's the kind of thing that could leap, you know, a springboard Houston in this like off into the off season. And, and frankly, it would need to be kind of a good off season. And, and so I, I guess call me overly hopeful, but I, I think that's the matchup I want right now. We'll see a lot more on championship Sunday or championship Saturday. And then leading to rankings coming out on Sunday. Um, you know, for all I know, TCU could blow it and we're playing a Big 12 team or, or something, right? Maybe maybe those opportunities arise. I'm not gambling on them, though. And so we'll talk a lot more over the course of that. If you have other recommendations to me or you want to talk more about what bowl games you want to see the Houston Cougars in, or you'd be like, Parker, shut up, stop talking about bowl season. Let's talk more about basketball. You can find me on Twitter at Painsworth512. It's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. I talk all things Cougs football, basketball, whatever. Uh, we're a volleyball school. If you're not paying attention, we're really freaking good at volleyball. Um, I also talk Rockets, Astros. I'll bemoan the Texans, but we can talk about them too. I also got a wall of sneakers behind me. I love talking about shoes, hip-hop, South, whatever you want to talk about. So make sure you find me on Twitter, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H, Painsworth 512. We'll talk all things you like to all the time. Thank you so much for making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you did too. For a second listen, again, I'm telling you to go listen to Locked on Auburn to hear about the mess they're in and, frankly, to hope that we get to play them in the middle of that mess in a bowl game. Locked on Cougs, the problem of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In our case, that means we're the number one team in the country every day. (laughs) Thank you all so much for tuning in today. And last but not least, go Cougs.